You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. The location of El Dorado. The lost city of gold. Well, that's what the Spaniards called it, but it means much, much more than that. El Dorado is a sacred place where anything you wish will come to reality. Oh! You guys can't possibly believe that. Historians believed in it enough to slaughter a nation. Where is the city of gold? We'll help you find El Dorado. Jorge Escobilla is a wanted man. Maybe he knows the way to El Dorado. How many more must I slaughter? Death is only the beginning. Your life for hers! You believe the natives' lies? Every lie starts with truth. Your life for hers! I'll give it to you! Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me today is Mr. Vernon Wells, best known for his roles as Bennett in Commando and Wes in The Road Warrior. He's got a new movie out called The City of Gold. Definitely check that out, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Well, I'm very curious how you decided to get into the business. I really didn't never wanted to be an actor. My mother was a, a, a successful songwriter. She wrote uh, country and western songs in Australia for Slim Dusty and a few other people. And I kind of followed in her footsteps. I started singing with all the bands, and uh, I figured that's what I'd do. You know, I was going to be a, a singer in a band, and I was a happy little kid. And um, I got uh, my back badly injured in a, a road accident. And while I was recuperating and becoming a pest, um, our manager took my photos around to some um, agents. And one of them um, said, you know, we're looking for a guy like that. Does he ride horses or anything? And he he said, well, he grew up on a farm, so I assume he did. And he said, great, get him in here because we're looking for someone just like him. And I got cast to do some um, cigarette commercials for a cigarette brand called Braddock. And... uh, I did those, and I kind of realized that I wasn't sharing what I was earning with five other guys, so it made me feel much better. Then I started getting put into, uh, you know, extras in in um, television shows here and there, and I really it really didn't make me all jolly and warm inside. It wasn't something I really liked doing. Um, I like being behind the camera. I love being with the crew behind the camera, seeing how everything was done. So I decided I would um, get involved in that, and I was uh, hired by a very big-time company that did commercials and things, and um, they proceeded to teach me my my uh, craft in uh, directing and so forth. And that's where, I, once again, I thought, well, this will be it. This is my career. I love this. I'm really enjoying myself. And lo and behold, they wanted me to do a stage play, which I really didn't want to do. And I was finally convinced to do it. And uh, George Miller's um, girlfriend at the time, um, Sandy Gore, 
she uh, happened to see a performance and um, contacted George and said, you've got to come see this kid. He's just, you know, amazing on stage. He, he does his thing and he has no fear of anything. And um, I think he'd be perfect for your film. So George came and contacted. He never saw the play, but he did contact me and we uh, had a cup of coffee and he left and I had no idea who he was or why we had coffee, actually. And then, you know, a few months later, my agents rang me and said, you've got to fly up to um, Sydney to do wardrobe and uh, makeup tests. And I was like, well, for what? And they said, for um, Mad Max 2. And I went, what? What the hell? I haven't even seen Mad Max, let alone Mad Max 2. And they said, well, you're going anyway, so just jump on the plane, go up. So I went up to Sydney and did all the, the stuff for George. And I really wasn't that interested in doing it. It just didn't bite me. I got on the set, and of course, well, for the week before we got on the set, we started working, and then it, then I got the bug because of all the people were there that were involved, and it was just this amazing um, trip to be involved in. It was like being on a really good uh, co-crush. Not that I'd know what that feels like, by the way. You know, I'm just assuming that it would be you know, like a co-crush. I uh, just started to really enjoy myself. I loved doing the film. And when the film was finished, you know, I was like, wow, that was really cool. My one and only film. So I went back to directing. And a few months later, they contacted me from America to come and do uh, Weird Science. And I, I just didn't want it. America was like this faraway land where all these evil people lived. And, you know, I really didn't want to go there and be involved with these people. And it took a lot to convince me to go. Eventually, I came over and I did Weird Science. I went back home and then I did a film in Australia called The Fortress, um, which is based on a true story of uh, some school kids that were kidnapped by these uh, kidnappers and, and buried in a hole in the school bus. And... Um, they eventually managed to escape and they killed most of their captors. So it was just that I did that. And um, once again, I thought, well, that's it. You know, I've had fun. Um, you know, um, nothing's going to go anywhere. And then, of course, I got a call by the same direct, uh, producer to do Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that finished it. It was like, not going home again, am I? I just, I was full time into um, acting. I've gone back to directing now. I still act, of course, because that's my forte. But um, I've, uh, I just actually, the film I was just on, I was directing part of it. So um, I'm, I'm back in doing the directing as well. So I've come full circle in my career, which is kind of fun. How does somebody who's not that interested in the role that you ended up being cast in as Wes and uh, Mad Max 2? How do you go from that to shaving the head, doing the hair, wearing the, the, you know, your ass is out in that movie? I mean, you just were all the way into that role. And it, when you oh, saw yeah. that, that outfit, did you consult them on the character design? Um, when I saw that, that outfit, I, I decided I definitely wasn't doing the film. Um, it was a little bit, you know, uh, Okay, what are we going to have? We're going to have a bare ass and bare crutch. And uh, boy, all the little boys are going to be really happy. Um, so I was not at all intrigued with that idea. And um, I, I talked to uh, the the, the um, 
wardrobe lady, we sort of had a lot of arguments about how I should be dressed. And I finally got the, the uh, flap on the back of the, of the costume. Mostly it was because every time I jumped on and off bicycles, motorbikes, on the seat, I would put a rash on my butt because I'd slide and then I'd, you know, it was not nice. So I went, you know, this year. So we got that and then the the feathers and everything around the um, neck came because it's an actual football shoulder pad. And of course, it moves around a lot when you move. And as you're probably aware, I moved one hell of a lot in that film. Um, and even in rehearsals, I started to uh, cut my neck and make it bleed. So they went, well, we've got to do something because it's just, it's like uh, fiberglass or something. It's just very sharp around the edges. So they um, stuck lamb's wool around it. And then they decided that the lamb's wool looked just a little overfay. So they put the feathers, you know, because uh, I love Indian headdresses and things. And that's what we were talking about. I said, you know, I want to look like an Indian. I want to be Pocahontas or something, you know. So they um, put the feathers in the thing which uh, around the neck, which I loved, because then, in the, especially in the part where I get the war paint on, you know, very, one of my bucket list roles, you know, playing an Indian was fulfilled. So I was a happy little cherub. But once I kind, I'm, I'm very much, if I say yes to something, I'm 150% in. I don't kind of go, yeah, and then sort of, what am I doing here? It's yes, and now I'm going to really go for it. And that's exactly what I did. Once I committed to doing the role, I was doing the role. There was no way around it. But it was George. I keep saying to George every time we do a question and answer on this, that he created the character I played it. And he says that no way known. He created the character in writing, and I took that, and I created this character that was way different and way more than what was on the page. So um, it was kind of, and to me, it was a collaboration between the two of us. I mean, he gave me all the uh, leeway and all the um, tools to make it work, and I was fortunate I was able to make it work. And I think it was just because of raw. Um, energy that I had at that stage. You know, I wasn't jaded by the business. Um, you know, if he said jump off that building, I would go, okay, never ask how high it was. I just had that, that raw energy of I was willing to go, you know, like put me in front of them and I ripped their bloody arms off. So it was um, successful from that point of view. And especially for me, it turned out to be an amazing character, which I loved took me a long time to accept it because it, it was something that people based who I was on, which really was not nice to say the, the nice way. It was a bit of a shit that every time I went in for an audition, everything came back to, oh, yes, but you played uh, that character in The Road Warrior. Yeah, we don't see you having kids. We see you eating them. You know, that kind of thing. It was like, you know, I'm supposed to be an actor, you know, that, that word actor is in front of my name, which means I'm supposed to be able to play any role I want. Um, but no, no, they wanted me to be that character and, and I was getting bored with it. Um, but then things started to pick up. I mean, I got Commander, which was a totally different character. It was still had that same energy to it where I could be um, totally an insane character and have fun. Um, and we just moved on from there. I've been very fortunate. Now, mostly what I play are good guys with a little bit of a edge, or sometimes a big edge, 
And I love it. It's, uh, you know, I'm having a ball. I mean, you couldn't put me down unless you had a hammer. Seriously, I'm just enjoying everything I do. Yeah, at one point, the humongous takes that leash off of you and you just go. And it feels like watching those early rolls, you just were unchained. I mean, you are just so energetic when it comes to commando, just spitting your lines. I love that intensity that you have. Yeah, I love it. it. It was just, you know, and I think more than anything, it was because I didn't have that technique pounded into my head from an acting coach or from an acting school. I was just basically raw clay that the director could mold or the other actors. You know, I love working with actors. So, and I base everything I do on the people. But I remember there's this little story about me and, um, Arnie, that the first time I, I worked with him was after the day after I'd come in from Australia and I was very, very tired. And we were rehearsing and Arnie was not impressed and kind of said to Joel, you know, um, that uh, this, this just wasn't going to work. You know, he was looking for a man to fight, not some little, you know, pussy sort of thing. And of course, that didn't worry me because I knew how I worked. And uh, then when we, uh, Joel sort of said, well, let's just do the scene and it was a scene where he's on the table and I put the knife to his throat and I say if I'd had my way I would have cut your throat and uh, that was the first thing I ever did in that film and of course when they went action I just went uh, I just went ballistic and I just grabbed him and put the knife halfway up his um, rear end to his tonsils and went you know blah 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 and just was staring him right in the face um, with total contempt. And they went, cut, print, love it. And Joel went back and said, so what do you think? And Arnold's comment was, never give him a real knife. And we became good friends, you know. Um, but he, he wasn't used to someone who who didn't rehearse the American way, you know, like putting everything out there. I tend to rehearse looking at the camera and the lights and the other actors, trying to see where I fit in the picture and um that's just the way i i work it i do it you know um i put my energy into doing the take and so i'm sort of knowing where i am and doing i still do the rehearsal don't get me wrong but i'm not spitting and and and, and screaming that's when i sort of they go action that's when i start doing that shit so um no it's it was fun i i enjoyed it I was curious. Sorry, one more Road Warrior question, and then I'll I'll move mm-hmm. on a little bit. Um, how many of those stunts did you do yourself? Quite a few of them. I think there was something like three that I didn't do. I didn't do the um, jump, I, uh, the twist in the air over the the guy um, on the the boardwalk. I I did the headbutt and everything, but I didn't do the twist because George was afraid that I would probably fall into the, the thing and break my neck or my back or something, which probably would have been right. I probably would have because the costume was quite heavy. Uh, and I did, didn't do one crossover to the, to the vehicle from the motorbike because it was a little dangerous. We were on uh, a gravel road and uh, it, was, it was quite bumpy. And the same thing, I, if I had missed, I would have gone under four wheels and got chopped up. Um, and I think there was one or two others, but everything else I did because I was, you know, one of those, I was an ex football player, you know, country boy. I was out there having fun, you know, jumping on and off things and into things was, was real fun. I was enjoying myself immensely. So, uh, yeah, most of it I did, some of it I didn't because George was a little afraid that 
I think his, his remark to me one day was, you can't do everything because I actually want to finish the film with you alive. I think that was when I was bitching about not being allowed to do something. You did so many movies, and you continue to do so many movies. And I was curious, was Circuitry Man, was that the first titular role that you had? Oh, um, yes. Even though I know you're a plug head, but you, know, you yeah, were yeah, the yeah. Circuitry Man. Yes, I was the Circuitry Man, which they called me in the, the film. Yes, it was. And I, I love that film. I, I just had so much fun doing that film. It was just a, a romp. And the two of them, actually, the sequel as well. I just had, they were, they were just fun little films. They weren't big. And the funny thing was, they weren't going to give me the script because they didn't think they could afford me. And Jim Metzler, the lead who played the uh, the android lover in the film, he was actually at a party at my house. And he was telling me about it. He said, I'm doing this cool little film, but you'd be great and you'd love it. And I was like, yeah, well, who do I have to see? And he said, no, they, they, they really don't want to because they can't afford you, they think. And I said, well, can you send me the script just so I can have a look? And he said, sure. So I got the script and read it. And then I got my agents to just pound them and say, look, you know, he wants to do the film, we'll negotiate a fee. And that's what we did. And I got to do the film because I really wanted to do it. I love the concept and just the idea of it. I had a ball with it. It was one of those that you do. And even the um, many hours, I think it was four hours of makeup when we got into the part where I was inside my mind and that character, the character I portrayed in there with all the, the um, things out of his head, the pipes going out of his head. Um, it was about four hours a day in makeup. When they did that, I wasn't allowed to move. I couldn't go to the toilet. I couldn't go get food. I had to sit on a stool, and they'd bring my food to me. I wasn't allowed to move because I was actually being puppeteered. They actually had those things were tied off to the um, the walkway and the ceiling, and there was guys up there with uh, the puppetry things doing all the things for when it was attacking people. You know, those things were attacking Jim. Uh, so it was, uh, it, was, it was just one of those things, but I didn't care. I loved it. Can you tell me, what was it like um, working on Fortress, the, the second Fortress movie that you were in, the 92 one? Uh, that was fun. It, it was actually, they actually wrote that role for me. And it came about because I went in and did an audition and I'd never met Stuart before. And, um, you know, Stuart's not a little man. And we're in the office and uh, we're doing the audition. He stood up and he was doing it with me. And that was a little bit of a physical thing. I, I just went for it. And I, I got him somehow. He and I got together and he ended up going through the wall. And he, I, I was terrified when it happened, and you know, so very sorry that, that I managed to push this this nice, nice man through a wall of an office. And um, I kind of left thinking, you know, that's probably the end of my career as well. It'll get around that I beat up on directors, and you know. And then they rang me and said that um, Stuart rang me and said that they'd written a role into the film for me. Um, because he, he he just wanted me to do. He just you know he was so impressed with what I'd done when I did the audition, and uh, we went to Australia and uh, shot it in Australia, and uh, it was it was fun, a lot of um, fun. I got I made some really good friends, you know, Christopher Lambert and um, a couple of other people in the cast, uh, Mr. Smith, who played the the uh, head of the the, the uh, jail and 
and that I, I, you know, really, really fine, fine actors and, and nice people. And it was a, there was a very funny little thing on that that Krista and I were doing the, the fight scene on the edge of what was supposed to be this platform that was slowly going back into the wall, and we were like a hundred stories in the air. And uh, we're doing this thing, and Chris was going, more blood, more blood, you know, put blood on us and that. And I'm thinking, I love this guy, you know, we got that, he's right in my face, and, you know, we're fighting and doing it. I'm thinking, I love him. There's not people in his position that'll get all bloody, and, you know, they want their face to be seen. It's like, you know, less blood, you know, now come and clean me so I look good in the, in the shot. And I was talking to the AD after we'd done that shot, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. He said, what do you mean? I said, oh, well, Chris is right there, right there, man. He's right in my face. And he's doing me on his yeah. And he went, well, he has to be, Vern. He's blind. And I went, what? <laughs> he said he's blind. And I went, oh, crap. You mean one of those punches could actually hit me? And he said, yeah, yeah, probably. And it was so funny. I just, I just cracked up because he couldn't wear his contacts because of all the uh, blood. So, so eventually he was blind, you know, it was so funny. I just cracked up. I was so impressed with him being in my face and it was actually my face so he could see me. Um, but, uh, love him anyway. He was such a joy to work with. They all were, uh, you know, I have been blessed. I would say there's two films in my career that I wouldn't work with the directors again. And there's probably two actors in my career that I wouldn't work with. And, you know, out of 270-something films, that's pretty good. Well, you know I'm dying to ask you who those are. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell you, so it's okay. One of them was shot in South Africa, so you wouldn't know, and no one would know who it was. It was uh, a director over there who was not a very nice person. And the other one was a um, very, very uh, famous uh, female actress whom I did a film that she was in. She's absolutely brilliant and stunning to look at, but she... Uh, I don't know. It's just not 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 a fun time. Put it that way. I like being in a film where I'm, I'm having fun with the cast and fun with the crew, and it's just this whole, you know, like we're all together in this. You know, to me, film is not, you know, one one word. You know, like film with a with an I in it. Uh, I am. You know, it's to me, it's film is is a a word that encompasses a lot of people who make it happen. That's why I love doing it. And when you get into that situation, you just have so much fun. You know, you you enjoy it. You, you Every day you get up. You know, I just finished a film. I, as I said, I was driving back the other night. I spent 10 days on this ship that had no hot water and no running toilets. I slept on a cold steel floor most of the time because my air mattress would deflate. But it was fun, you know, we had such a, t a fun time doing it. And just, you know, I was like, we're all like this one big happy family because we're all in the same boat. Um, I mean, that was a joke. You know, it was just, just, you know, that kind of camaraderie and that kind of, everybody wanted to be there. It was like um, a road warrior. When we did Road Warrior, um, it was cold, you know, freezing ass cold, to be blunt. We were out in the middle of nowhere and... Um, Everybody on that, that film, everybody on the crew, everybody on the cast wanted to be there. There was not one person that would go, ah, fuck this, I don't, I don't like this, I'm going home, this is bullshit. Everybody loved what they were doing. Everybody loved being there. And that's what I love the most is that, that attitude of like, you know, I want to do this, I want to be here, I'm having so much fun. 
um, doing this. And uh, I, I prefer to do films that, you know, with directors that I know and crews that I know and people that I know. Um, you know, there's about six directors who uh, use me practically in everything they do. And there's um, a, a two or three producers who are always willing to put me in things. So I, I would prefer to work with people like that. Um, don't get me wrong. If somebody comes along and says, I've got this great project and I love it, I'm the first one to jump up and, and do the film. But it's also nice to be, um, to me, it's like back in the, remember in the 50s, and or the early 50s, you, you had all those Bogart-type films that were all, and all the same cast was in every film. You know, uh, Mr. Greenstreet and, and, and Laurie and all those act, wonderful actors and Bogart. And, the, and they were the same cast, but the films were wonderful to watch simply because you knew that everybody there was enjoying themselves, that they really were having fun doing this film. And it shows that it comes across... And you enjoy it for the same reason. Well, you talked about how you kind of liked being behind the camera a little bit. And I was curious as far as over the last, uh, I know that you had done some producing before uh, this, but really since like, what, 2016, you've really taken on more of a producer role. And I'm curious how it is producing and acting in something. When I'm on set, even though I direct as well as produce and I act, I never try to be the director. The director's the director, and I do what I'm told, and I do what I'm asked. I, will, I, I may say, um, do you mind if we try it this way? Um, because there's you know, something I feel might be a little better. But I never say, you know what, if you, if you directed it like this, it would, be, never, never do, would never do that, because it's not my job. I'm not directing it. I'm acting in the damn thing. I do the same thing from the producing side of it. I go out there, I do my job. When they say cut, I'll go back and say, okay, so what have we screwed up? Where where have we got problems? What do we need to do to fix something? And then I'll play producer. But I won't play producer while I'm acting. I, you know, I prefer to do one thing at a time, give 100% to what I'm doing, and then go do the other thing. So it really doesn't affect me in that way. I, I love directing and producing uh, because you get to see the, the whole concept from beginning to end. And a lot of that depends on how you see the project. So it's, it's more of your idea that goes into it and it comes to fruition. And, you know, it's either going to be really good or it's either going to be really bad. Um, so there's that sort of temptation uh, in it, which I love. I love to be able to do it and get involved in it and, uh, just see the whole project go through from beginning to end. Well, can you tell me about City of Gold? How did that one come about? I knew Ronald for a long, long time. Ronald and I have known each other forever. Um, I got involved with him and another gentleman way, way, way back. I met him at a, at a, at a uh, barbecue, and we were talking, and he said, you know, i got this script I'd like you to read. And I like, I go to the toilet, and people say that to me. So I really wasn't that interested, but he sent me a script for a TV show, and he said, yeah, I'd like you to read it. Good. Tell me what you think. I read it, and I, I rang him up, and I said, could you have found any more big words to put in it? And he said, what, what do you mean? I said, my God, you've got words in there that are two inches long. How the heck do you expect the audience to understand one word of it? And he said, well, but, and I said, no, you don't understand. Pretend your audience is dumb, and then 
how would you tell them these things? And he said, well, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's how you got to write it. You can't use all these big words because you, 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 you alienate your audience. They don't understand some of it, so they get bored with the whole concept. So don't do that. So, you know, come back to us. So we started, they, they were writing and I would critique and it went on for about a year and a half. And we got an amazing script for a TV series called Medicine, which we're pushing at the moment. I remained friends, of course, with uh, Ron. And then he came to me one day and he said, remember that script I gave you? And it had a different name. It was called The Inquisitor. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm going to put my money into it. We're going to make it in Hawaii. And I said, you're kidding. He said, I want you involved and, and um, you can play The Inquisitor. And I was like, you're kidding? He said, nope. And I said, oh, that would be so cool. So we went off to, he went off and I came later to Hawaii uh, to do it in Maui. And um, he had a wonderful cast. And originally, I was asked to learn all of my dialogue in Castilian Spanish, which is the original Spanish, which I did. I would never, ever say I was fluent in it, but I could do the dialogue in it. When I got to um, Maui, Ron said, we're doing it all in English because the, uh, the gentleman you're doing this with can't do it. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. I spent all that time learning it. Now I can't use it. Damn it. But I love playing that character. I mean, to me, that character was one of my better characters and it began a whole thing for me. It was that you actually watched him slowly turn from being just a, a mean man who had a vision and that he wanted. He wanted to find the fountain of youth and be able to turn metal into gold. And slowly as he progressed through, he became more and more determined, more and more vicious, uh, more and more uh, not caring. And then when he discovered it and discovered that he could turn metal into gold, his insanity started to show because he got a gold lust. And the gold lust started to take over, and so the insanity became more and more. And it was all about the gold. And, you know, at one stage I think I say, who's God now? I have all this gold. I mean, he just became in increasingly megalomaniac, yeah. My wife's over here just telling me all the words. She's sitting at the table, <laughs> being my prompter. She's a megalomaniac, really. But no, um, I mean, I just liked the way he trans, you know, the whole sort of arc that he had, which was really, really nice. And um, that was the reason I took it. I really wanted to do it. And it was, it was great. He reminded me a little bit of uh, Mr. Kurtz from Heart of Darkness. He really got to to feel that who is this guy and why should we care about him and uh, really invested in that character. I just in, loved him. I mean, I thought he's the whole character. And I got to have these wonderful scenes. One of my favorite scenes in the film is the night scene when I'm resting against the tree and they've got all the tiki lamps that are lit and that's what they're shooting the scene by that light. And the two guys, my two um, compatriots are sword fighting and I step into the middle of it and start fighting with the guy and talking to him and flick his sword off and then knock him over K and, and say, uh, you're going to do this. And I say, what if, we, what if we don't want to? And I say, you, you won't say that and throw the sword into the ground and beside his head. I just love that whole scene because... It was done in that amazing flickering light, and it, it was such an intense little scene. 
And I just thought, wow, that is such a cool way to do it. So, yeah, I get excited about the dumbest things, by the way. You'll probably get that in this interview. I am so curious. You have so many projects on your CV that seem to be either just about to come out or in in post-production or in pre-production. It feels like you must be one of the busiest guys I've talked to. (laughs) I've got a few things going on, yeah. City of Gold comes out next month. Last month, Trouble Is My Business came out. Um, Before that, there was two others that came out. And I have, I believe, at least another four that are coming out. And then I have uh, quite a few uh, projects that I'm uh, producing and and acting in and also some that I'm directing uh, into next year. And today I was told I was doing a very large film next year, which I can't talk about or they will not put me in it. And then they'll probably sue me for talking about it. But it's going to be a fun, fun project uh, next year, which just came about today. I have fun. I do voiceovers for lots of games and things and uh, for um, uh, documentaries. Um, My life is blessed. I got the most amazing wife in the world who I adore and who puts up with the shit that I give her. (laughs) <laughs> she says, I'm only being nice because she's sitting across from me. Uh, no, I mean, she's just amazing. And she she just, uh, she has no interest in what I do, which I think is the most fun part of it. But to her, it's like, seriously, you want me to come to the set so I could sit there for four hours while you sit there? And then the director will go, you're on, Vernon. And three minutes later, you'll come back and say, well, I'm going to take my makeup off now and we'll go. It ain't going to happen. You know, not not going to happen. Um, she did it once and that was for circuitry man. And after that, she went, not happening, not happening, dude. Um, and, uh, she has an amazing company, which, uh, is hers, which she works at all the time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a perfect relationship. I think in that, in that, um, way that we don't infringe upon each other. Well, Grace now has given up saying to me when I'm doing rehearsing at home, you want me to read the other part? And I thought, I'd go, oh, no, it's okay, sweetheart. Um, I'll, I'll be fine. And she goes, no, 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 I could read the other part. And it's like, no, darling, you, you, you just do your thing. I'm fine. Because she did it once, and, and, and she, she was so into the part that it was actually hysterical. Um, and I just thought, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> she said, that's why she's done an actor. She did it well. It was just as she was so into it, and I was like, I can't rehearse like that. You know, when someone's like down my throat, um, I really, I really can't then do my part. I just have to, you know, do it a different way. We just complement each other in, in the other ways that we can. And, uh, you know, being fortunate, I work all the time and I do projects that I'm really invested in, which is even more wonderful. And I've met and still have some of the most amazing friends. Uh, the cast from Power Rangers, they come to our house for, for barbecues and to play cards. The whole cast. We're, we're the only cast that's ever stayed together, like the whole cast. And we still see each other 19 years later at a convention or something, and all of us are there. And we just, you know, we, we still love each other. We have the, so much respect for each other. It's so much fun. I was in... Uh, my wife and I were in uh, Malawi building a school with some of them. Um, we had this thing in Build On where they go to different countries and build schools in impoverished areas. And um, at the start of the year, we were over in, um, well, 
Nepal. We're over in Nepal building a school. And, you know, part of that is, is some of the kids from the show. That's what I love about it. You, you build these relationships and you, you get these people that around you who are just so positive and so wonderful. You know, Ron's still a great friend. We love Ron, you know, always uh, talking to him. And I'm so proud of what he's done. And, you know, it just goes on. It's, it's one of those things. Um, one of my good friends, um, Brian, who was here today, he's the director who just, he was the, it was his project I've just finished. He's one of the five managers of uh, the um, film festival Sundance. And he's a really good friend, a very, very good friend. You know, he just, we've got a lot of projects uh, uh, to do. And, you know, there's other people that I adore and have around. They come for like tomorrow for um, Thanksgiving where we, our Thanksgivings are Australian, Australian American Thanksgiving because we have all the Australians who have nowhere to go come over and all the Americans who have nowhere to go. So I get all these people that I've worked with, people that we know, people that we love, wandering in and out of a house all day and, um, having, you know, for turkey and uh, lamb and you name it, and, and just great friendship. And that's one of the things that I think I enjoy the most, you know, and I get to do great things like City of Gold, which I love the film. I think the film, for what uh, he had to make this film, I think he's done more than a good job. He's done an amazing bloody job. So, you know, things like that, I think, is why I continue to do what I do. And also, people are dumb enough to hire me, so what the hell? You know, I was going to ask you what you do for fun, but it sounds like you're doing what you do for fun. It sounds like this is what makes you happy. Oh, this makes me as happy as a clam. I have, you know, I always said to my wife that the day, the first day, like this morning, I had to get up at 5 o'clock to go to a meeting at Warner Brothers at 7.30. And I said, the first day, I have to do something like that, and I roll over and say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I'm out of it. It's over because now it's not fun. Now it becomes work. While it's fun, it, I'll do it. You know, I'll get up at four o'clock. I'll, I'll be on a boat that has no hot water and no toilets. And I have to sleep on a cold, bloody floor because the mattress keeps the flame. I'll keep doing that as long as I'm enjoying it. When I'm not, it'll be the end of it. It'll, uh, I'll just walk away from it. Vernon, thank you so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. It's fun. I enjoy it. You know, well, you probably didn't figure that out, but I'll have to tell you. I really enjoy what I do, all right?
If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media, let's make some noise.